It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. We're setting up for a big series in the Big Ten this weekend while watching many other games that might play a big factor in who makes the conference tournament. I'm Kyle Charters. Drew Charters here also for the Big Baseball Podcast. We'll bring in Patrick Ebert as well, Midwest analyst for D1Baseball.com and the publisher of the GrindBaseball.com to get his thoughts on that big series, Rutgers and Maryland and Piscataway, Patrick will be at the series, so we'll get his uh, his thoughts and his insights. Uh, Drew, that's going to be a big series, to say the least. Uh, probably the one that will determine the Big Ten champion, especially if Rutgers, which has an edge on the rest of the field at 15-3, and three, with Maryland uh, being 11-4, and four, Rutgers has played an extra series so far this year at Havabai next weekend. If Rutgers can win two of three against Maryland, uh, it's going to be pretty hard for it not to at least win a share of the conference title in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly going to be fun to watch uh, this weekend. And, you know, both these clubs had, I think, very interesting weekends last week. You know, Rutgers got the sweep of Ohio State, but... They trailed in game three, um, and and that win was a really important one. Maryland, you know, we'll get into this, but Ryan Ramsey pitched a gym on Friday, and then it was, you know, pretty wild after that for them. They lost the second game, and and they almost lost the third game. So Maryland sort of survived um, against Northwestern to be in this position, and uh, and it's certainly going to be an interesting one. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Scarlet Knights. Uh, they have won their, uh, they have extended their winning streak to five straight games, including that sweep at Ohio State. Yeah, the one that nearly got away from Rutgers was Game Three, when the Knights trailed four to nothing, and eight to three, but then had to uh, rally late in that contest. Uh, a critical victory. I mean, every one of these is is key when you come down the stretch, especially for Rutgers, which has. You know this series left, and then uh, in its final uh, weekend, so um, against Michigan, so it needed to, it needed to go to Ohio State and and get all three, and it did. But man, it was uh, it was pretty nervous that last uh, game on Sunday against the Buckeyes. But again, big weekends for the offense. Some individual guys had some some huge numbers. Uh, and uh, Rutgers was able to pound its way out and, and come back for a sweep of the Buckeyes. Yeah, Ryan Lasko kind of just took over for the Scarlet Knights, right? Five home runs and ten RBIs over the weekend. I mean, uh, I mean that's a that's a weekend right there. Nick Samillo's yeah. back in the lineup, and and they sure did miss him in that Iowa series. He had three home runs uh, over the weekend for Ohio State, so he seems to be back and healthy, yeah. uh, really helping that offense. Here's the concern I have for Rutgers, and we saw it, right? We saw it Sunday, is who is the third pitcher, yeah. right? So they've got Kolar and Florence have been a solid 1-2 all season. Brian Fitzpatrick started the first five games in that Sunday spot for them. He was 5-0. and Unfortunately, uh, I believe he's probably hurt. He hasn't pitched since March 19th. Yeah. So since middle of March, they've been searching for this third starter, it's been Justin Cinebaldi for the past few weeks. He's only made it to the fifth inning once. His last three starts on Sunday for Rutgers, a total of six and two-thirds innings pitched, and he's given up 11 runs. Mm. So, you know, I think for Rutgers heading into that Sunday game, it's always 
going to be kind of a roller coaster for them. And, and you saw it against yeah. Ohio State. They got down. They had to come back. That offense has to be really, really, really good on Sundays uh, for them to get that victory. And, and if anything's going to hurt Rutgers, I think it's going to be that. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I don't know that Rutgers' top two guys are – they're good. Um, and they're, they're good because they keep Rutgers in the game – but that offense often carries them uh, a little bit as well. And the bullpen is, has been really solid for the Scarlet Knights as well. Maryland won two of three against Northwestern. Got off to a great start on Friday with Ryan Ramsey, the lefty pitching the perfect game. I think it's, what, the 34th perfect game in NCAA history. We were calling Purdue-Michigan toward the end of that game. The Boilermakers were up uh, you know, huge against Michigan. We were keeping an eye uh, toward the Twitter and, and watching yeah. Ramsey's performance there down the stretch. I mean, it was great. And, um, you know, Maryland has switched that rotation now. They, they moved Ramsey into the Friday spot and put Dean back on on Sunday because some people felt like they were pitching in reverse. I, I'm not sure it was really that as much as Dean was the most experienced guy. Um, but they've switched that around, and, and certainly Ramsey got them off to a great start on Friday. And then the game on Saturday turned sideways late after Jason Savakul was really good through seven innings, and they gave one back to the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about Maryland winning two of three from Northwestern, but we could easily be sitting here talking about Northwestern taking two of three and surprising, shocking Maryland headed into yeah. this big weekend. And 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 thankfully, they rallied uh, there in that third game. You know, let's back up a step and talk about pitching here in this matchup looking forward, Rutgers versus Maryland. If you're if you're purely talking about pitching matchups, you're taking Maryland all the way here, right? I mean, I would take well, Ramsey, gets- Savakul, and Dean over Kolar, Florence, and, and Cinebaldi all day. Yeah, Obviously, I, I, there's I more think, to baseball think, than just that. But I think the bullpen, though, switches the other direction. Yeah. Yes. The bullpen for Rutgers is better right. than the bullpen for Maryland. Did the pitching is deeper once you get into the bullpen. So, yes, the starters, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, the first two guys gave, you know, uh, Ramsey and Savakul uh, this weekend, even though Maryland lost one of the two games, they gave you right uh, 15 innings. Unhittable. Of, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, of shutout baseball, where they yeah. gave up three hits total. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but then you get in the bullpen, and it's a little bit of a different story, I think. I think Ramsey for for Ramsey, I, you know, I don't think we've talked much about Ramsey just because he hasn't been that Friday guy, yeah, really all season. I think he's quite, you know, Adam Mazur had another outstanding week that we'll talk about in uh, Big Arm, but I think Ramsey's probably quietly becoming the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. Yeah. I mean, that perfect game is going to go a long way in the discussion mm-hmm. uh, for that award. But he's eight and zero now with a two point four two earned run average. And a perfect game. Yeah. That's really good. All right, so last week, Drew, we asked who would slip up because there were a lot of series last week where you felt like, you know, one of those teams at the top of the Big Ten had a, had a pretty clear advantage against the opponent. Yeah. But a couple of teams did slip up. Illinois lost two of three at Indiana. The big loss was falling apart late in game one. You know, while the Illini sit in third place in the Big Ten – uh, they do have six losses now, 12 and six. If you sort of look to the NCAA tournament, too, I mean, they've just got to be able to pick up victories because they're only a couple of games above 500 overall. you got to just get a little more separation between your wins and losses. So 
that was a, a big loss for the Illini and losing two of three at Indiana. It's like as soon as we start believing in Illinois, they let us down, right? Like that's that's yeah. what I feel like here. We, you, you know, we were, uh, you know, we knew Illinois was good all season. We didn't know if they were great, and then I think we started leaning towards great, especially looking at their schedule and seeing that they had Indiana. I felt like they had an easy schedule coming in to maybe make a run at that Big Ten tournament, and it's such a frustrating. Uh, weekend for the Fighting Illini against an Indiana team who's playing better. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what Illinois does this week. It's hard to tell what kind of team IU is right now um, because they've come on on hot here. And then Michigan, uh, you know, the other one that, that, you know, would slip up this weekend, losing two of three at Purdue. And obviously you and I were there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to think about Michigan. I don't think they're as good as they have been in the past. I do think that Purdue played really well. That's yeah. the best we've seen Purdue play in a long time. Um, they hit the ball solidly all weekend. Yeah, I mean, except for that third game, I suppose. Um, you know, second game of the doubleheader where they kind of just you know went into cruise control and yeah. and didn't do much. But um, you know, again, I, I you know I, I don't really know what to think about both these teams. I don't know what to think about Illinois because I don't know what to think about IU, and I don't know what to think about Michigan because I don't know what to think about Purdue. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. Purdue played their best game in a long time. IU's playing their best baseball in a long time. Yeah, I don't think that to me Michigan does not look like an NCAA tournament team, at least from what we saw of the Wolverines this last weekend. Now Michigan's going to get opportunities to prove that they are an NCAA right. regional team because they play. Uh, Maryland and Rutgers in the last two weekends of the season. So if they go three and three, if they go four and two, then yeah, I mean, they, they clearly would have done something, but that's a Michigan team that does not have the pitching. I mean, we saw that from the jump where, you know, how you can just tell that a team is leaving a guy in an extra inning maybe, or, you know, there's just not the confidence that a coach has in going to the bullpen at, at certain points when you, typically feel like maybe a team should be going to the bullpen. And that's what it felt like with Michigan a little bit. Now they got a good start from Chase Allen, who's sort of been the newcomer to that rotation in the third game on Sunday. So maybe that helps solidify things a little bit for the Wolverines, but it just doesn't feel like uh, the same Michigan team that what we have seen in the past. All right, Drew, let's hit uh big bat and big arm. Why don't, uh, well, let me start. Let me start with Big Bat here. Got a few nominees. Where's my list? Oh, there it is. Uh, Troy Viola had a good week last week, man. He was great defensively. A great glove. Big glove. (laughs) Uh, Viola, the third baseman for the Boilermakers, had nine hits, eight runs, eight runs driven in, a couple of home runs. Uh, In that same series for Michigan, we saw Dylan Stanton, who only started one game, I think. He was six for seven. With a home run, four runs driven in, and three runs scored. A couple of uh, nominees for Maryland. They had more than just the the starting pitcher. Chris Aline had a great weekend. 11 runs driven in on nine hits with seven runs and three home runs. Luke Schleiger, who caught the perfect game, was uh, eight of 19, eight runs, six runs driven in, a couple of doubles, and a couple of home runs. Those are my nominees for Big Bat. Who you got? Let's start Nebraska with Garrett Englum. Uh, and just talking about one game here, game two, Anglin was fantastic. Three for four, three home runs uh, for the Cornhuskers in that one. 
uh, five RBIs um, with his three runs scored. Jacob Campbell uh, for Illinois was outstanding all weekend. Six for 11, six runs scored, nine RBIs for the catcher, uh, three home runs um, for Campbell. Uh Josh Pine for IU had a walk-off single to win game one. Uh, They won that one in the bottom of the ninth. He was two for four with three RBIs in that game, but a big hit uh, there at the end. Carter Matheson for the Hoosiers, uh, three home runs on the weekend, six RBIs, two of those home runs, and five of those RBIs were in uh, uh, game three for IU. And then over to Rutgers, we mentioned just a little bit ago, Nick Samillo back in the lineup and uh, back in a big way. He had three home runs on the weekend, four RBIs. Two of those home runs came in um, game three for Rutgers. Uh, but we got to go in the direction of Ryan Lasko. I mean, you can't put together um, uh, you know, a weekend much better than this one. Uh, 10 for 16 at the plate. Uh, Lasko scored seven runs, had 10 RBIs, mostly due to five home runs on the weekend. Yeah. A couple of doubles as well. Uh, three of those ho- five home runs uh, came in game two. Two of those home runs came in game three. So two multi-home run games on the weekend for Lasko will earn him big bat. Uh, you better give us big arm because I have who the winner is. I think we know who that is, but give me a couple other nominees. Let's, go with, let's stick with Rutgers and go Nathan Florence. Got the win versus Ohio State. Five innings, nine strikeouts uh, for Florence in that one. Adam Mazur again for Iowa. Uh, just an outstanding start. Complete game, two-hitter uh, with a shutout victory, one nothing against Nebraska. Six strikeouts, a couple of walks for Mazur. Uh, Ty Langenberg uh, also had a good outing for the Hawkeyes. He got a no decision, but went uh, five innings, just three hits. Uh, no earned runs. He gave up a run. Uh, six strikeouts. Uh, Shea Shanneman, seven innings, eight strikeouts for Nebraska, and unfortunately a loss. Um, Emmett Olsen uh, for Nebraska in a 12-1 to victory versus Iowa. Seven innings, which was a complete game. I don't know what happened there, but um, seven-inning complete game for Olsen. Four hits, uh, seven strikeouts, um, and that's all I got. Over to you. Uh, One guy. He was pretty good. Mm -hmm. In fact, he was perfect. Ryan Ramsey, nine innings, no hits, 10 strikeouts, no walks. He faced the minimum, 27 batters in the perfect game. Just an outstanding uh, start for him in the victory against Northwestern. He is the big arm. Yes, so we're giving it to him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> He's the big arm for this week. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll bring in uh, Patrick Ebert. We'll talk to uh, him about the Big Ten. He'll be at that series in Piscataway between the uh, Dirty Terps and the Scarlet Knights. So we'll get uh, his thoughts on that series and those two teams and much more. That's coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. Happy to bring in Patrick Ebert, the analyst for D1Baseball.com and publisher of TheGrindBaseball.com. We've had Patrick on before. He helped us co-host a few weeks ago when when Drew was away. So excited to be able to uh, follow up with you, especially, Patrick, considering... The big series coming up this weekend in the Big Ten, one that you are planning to attend as Rutgers will host Maryland. Man, this is it, right? I mean, we sort of thought right before the season started that this was going to be the series in the Big Ten. It's sort of nice that we actually got something right. It does look like this is going to be the series in the Big Ten. 
No doubt. This is the one we've targeted now for over a couple months, you know, and Rutgers got off to that early start, as did Maryland, and neither team has let up. You know, they're both, they, they, they have almost identical overall records. Rutgers is 36-9, and nine, Maryland is 35-9, and nine, and <laughs> Maryland's currently a ranked team, but they've, uh, Maryland has played much tougher non-conference opponents than Rutgers has, and Maryland is currently ranked, at least in the D1 baseball uh, top 25. Um, Rutgers could, obviously, if they win this series coming up here. But this is the one we've been waiting for for a long time. Rutgers is first in the Big Ten in batting, first in pitching ERA, first in fielding. You know, they're first in everything across the board. Just the, the most dominant team in the Big Ten thus far, 15-3 and three in conference. Uh, but Maryland is, you know, pretty much second in all of those categories and very much battle-tested, has the talent, has the lineup, has a really good weekend starting staff. I really like the way this weekend is going to stack up with the matchups, the individual matchups, the lineups, and uh, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to, to hopefully seeing a very entertaining weekend of baseball. Yeah, if I was to handicap this, I think, uh, and, and tell me what you think, I, I, I think that probably, you know, you look at both offenses, I think they're probably fairly even. You look at Maryland's starting rotation, you probably give it the slight edge, but then you give the edge in the bullpen to Rutgers, uh, and then both teams play pretty well defensively. I think maybe a slight edge to Rutgers there, but uh, I mean it's close, right? I mean they're they're as you said, two teams that stack up pretty well. Yeah, the one thing I look at with with these teams is Rutgers. Two weeks ago, the one season series they lost was to Iowa. Um, Iowa went to Rutgers and beat them two games out of three. They took the first two games. Adam Mazer, who's a Big Ten pitcher of the year favorite at Iowa, you know, shut them down game one. Connor Schultz shut them down game two. Two of the better arms that Rutgers faced this year that shut down that offense. Rutgers did rebound on Sunday well. Now, this is the best pitching step they're going to face, so that's kind of what I'm leading up to. And so Maryland, in my mind, with that starting trio in their rotation, Ryan Ramsey's a left-hander. He's coming off a perfect game Mm -hmm. thrown last weekend. Jason Savakul's the, the best stuff-wise pitcher that they have in, in their uh, starting rotation. And then Nick Dean, who used to be their Friday guy, gets pushed to Sunday. That's really hard Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's, for me, the matchup I'm most interested in, those arms against that Rutgers batting order. Yeah, it is interesting that Rob Vaughn finally did flip the rotation and put Ramsey in that number one spot, move Dean back to uh, to Sunday. It was almost like, Maryland was pitching in reverse a little bit, even though all three of those guys are certainly capable. How does Ryan Ramsey follow up on uh, the perfect game last week? Yeah, you know, he threw, I think it was 118 pitches. So, I mean, that's more probably than you want to see, but not like an excessive amount. You know, so teams these days are so good about not overextending their pitchers, even when there's such milestone achievements on the line. You know, we're seeing it in the big leagues with the combined no-hitter. Um, but I, I think he re- rebounds. He has the, the ability to rebound well. You know, this isn't like he's coming off some 135 to 150 pitch masterpiece, you know, where his <laughs> arm is just going to feel like a big pile of jelly. You know, he should rebound well. Really, the only thing is that, like, meant, it's, it'll probably be more of a mental, emotional thing. You know, like, he just has to stay within himself and, you know, just, be mentally strong and tell him if he's looking to do it again, you know, he's probably going to fail, but if he's just looking to put together a solid outing and, and put his team in a position to win, he'll probably do well. Cause that's what he's done all season long. 
If Rutgers wins two out of three, are you ready to call it? Is that is that it? Rutgers wins. I mean, it, it would be hard, I think, for Rutgers not to win at least a share of the Big Ten title, though they could do it depending on that last weekend against Michigan. I think the Scarlet Knights are, are, are pretty clearly better than Michigan, so should be able to win at least a game uh, against the Wolverines. But Maryland really uh, has to win a couple of games this weekend in this series. Yeah, if they have a... If they want to, you know, win the Big Ten outright, you know, before you get to the, the tournament, yeah, um, yeah, for sure, they got to win this series. And um, Rutgers doesn't have to to still win. And I think it's important to note that they've they've played one extra Big Ten series than yeah. I think pretty much everyone in the conference. Which which at fifteen and three means that they've won three games more than anyone else in the conference when they've had those opportunities. So a little bit of an uphill battle for everybody else. But yeah, I, I would think even as the road team you know you look at Maryland as the favorite even though Rutgers does have the conference uh, advantage as far as what their record is at this point in time Um, but you know I say that and you just can't count out Rutgers because they've been doing this all season long and you know I think early on in the season we were waiting for them to stumble and come back to earth somewhat similar to what happened to Purdue you know but but that hasn't happened for Rutgers to this point even after losing to Iowa they came back and they convincingly swept Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good comeback. And uh, Nick Samillo being out for the Iowa series, certainly, uh, I think is a little bit of an asterisk there, uh, not having uh, you know him behind the plate, A, and then also that, that bat in the order as well. All right, so, Patrick, when we had you on uh, filling in for Drew about a month ago, we went through our... Uh, top six teams. I think that was after like the first weekend or right right near the first weekend of conference play. We sort of picked our, our, our top six and how we saw it all playing out. Now, we, we actually agreed on the six teams. We put them in a little bit of a different order. But we had Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan, Iowa, Purdue, and Michigan State approximately in that order. I think I had Purdue one spot ahead, and you had them one spot back maybe. But anyway, those were our top six teams. Uh, as we review now with uh, just a few weeks left in the Big Ten season, I think we, we did okay. I think we over you know overprojected a little bit uh, with Purdue. The Boilermakers have struggled uh, during the middle of the Big Ten. Now it's possible that Purdue has recovered a little bit, winning two of three against Michigan over the weekend. We'll see how the Boilermakers are at Iowa. Man, the pitching really struggled in the middle of the season. Part of that was due to injuries. Part of it due to youth. Part of it was that they just didn't perform very well. Um, so we'll see if they're able to recover. You know, Michigan State's been an interesting one because had you asked me this a week ago, I would have said, yeah, we totally missed on the Spartans. But, man, Michigan State has actually sort of recovered here a little bit and might be playing itself back into position to get into uh, the Big Ten tournament. And the one that we just totally uh, ignored at that time was Illinois. And, you know, the Illini have been pretty good. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, I think the two teams we have at the top have stayed there. You know, we already yeah. talked about Maryland and Rutgers. It's just when you look at that middle of the Big Ten and, and you figure eight of these teams are going to make the Big Ten tournament, and yet, you know, you have Northwestern and Penn State currently tied at seven and eight. You have Purdue at six and seven. Then you have Michigan State, Indiana, and still Nebraska <laughs> holding on with six and nine records. So, you know, you have, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six. You have six teams battling for what, two or three spots to make the Big Ten tournament. And we've seen this Big Ten tournament before where, 
you know, rarely does the conference favorite or even the top two or three teams walk away with that automatic bid going to the NCAA postseason. You know, it's so many times we've seen it where, where there's just this team that, that surprises everybody. You know, Northwestern, I think it was, what, 2017 that, that was the surprise team. And um, I think Minnesota may have been like the outlier in 2018 when they had that really big year and they were the number one seed. Right. They, they walked away with the, with the Big Ten tournament title. But, but yeah, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of teams just jammed in the middle. And unfortunately for postseason aspirations, you know, parity is not good. You know, you need to have separation to make an impression on the people that, that choose the postseason bids. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a jumbled mess in the middle right now. And um, that said, when we made those picks, you know, I still feel pretty good about what we made at that point in time because, yeah. you know, you don't expect those things to stay the same over the course of a season. No, certainly not. Yeah, I think 16, 6 through 11 – you know, battling through for those three remaining spots. And, you know, Northwestern and Penn State have a little bit of an edge there, I think. And, and you know, two teams that might be able to stay, it might just be that last spot that four teams, you know, Purdue having a slight edge, though a difficult schedule here down the stretch, going to Iowa, then to Northwestern, and then hosting Maryland these last three weekends. So all teams that are ahead of the Boilermakers, some teams – you know, having a little bit of a, a lighter slate, I think we'll see a, a lot of change with those teams six through eleven here still in the last three weekends of the Big Ten. Yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, projections for the NCAA tournament. Man, it, you know, it, to me right now, it seems like there are two teams that are clearly in. Right, Rutgers and Maryland are, you know, barring some sort of absolute collapse, and I think maybe we're even beyond that point. Uh, those two teams will be in. After that, though. I don't know. I mean, I think that Iowa uh, could be there. The Hawkeyes are going to pick up some wins. They just need some wins. You know, maybe put something together here a little bit toward the end of the season. Um, And I I think they can do that with the schedule that uh, they have remaining. Michigan, to me, I'm just not feeling it, uh, really, with, with the Wolverines. After having watched Michigan up close this last weekend... Um, the just Eric Backage's crew just does not have the pitching that we have been used to with typical Mer- uh, Michigan teams ho- here over the past several years. So I, you know, especially now they can play their way back into the picture because they have Maryland Rutgers here coming up uh, to end the season, but uh, they'll have to actually win those games. And and you know, with the pitching the way it is, you know, we'll just have to see, I suppose. And then there's Illinois there lurking as well, though I, I, I just don't know about the Illini. I like that team. I think it's a, a well-rounded team. I'm just not sure it has the resume for the NCAA tournament. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. Maryland, Rutgers in for sure. Iowa right now is in. Um, their schedule favors them. you know. So I think they end, at the end of the day they make it in. Um, but at this point in time, you know, like I think it's three Big Ten teams, you know, unless like I just talked about before, unless we have a Big Ten tournament team that's not Maryland, Rutgers, or Iowa emerge yeah. as the tournament champion. You know, so I, I would think, you know, to your point that Illinois and Michigan are in the best position to do something like that. Um, I don't, you know, you mentioned Michigan not having the pitching. I don't think Illinois has the pitching either. And their yeah. overall record is 21-19. and 19, So they're basically a 500 team. Um, Michigan's in the best place to to make a strong push you mentioned they finished the season they're at maryland they're home versus rutgers 
not only do they have a chance to, to get some key series wins, they have a chance to, to boost their RPI. We all know the selection committee looks at that RPI very closely by beating Maryland and Rutgers. You know, you put yourself in a very good position to give yourself a nice RPI boost. Michigan's currently at 74. Usually the magic number is right around 50 to 60, you know, so they're, they're within striking distance of that. Um, and certainly striking distance within like the, the big 10 standings of Maryland Rutgers and Iowa, more importantly, leaving a you know strong impression at the end of the year because that's probably the most important part yeah. of this one when you're talking about you know being on that bubble for being or not being a postseason team. Who's your biggest surprise, uh, uh, positively and negatively, in the Big Ten? I mean, I think there are some options, right? We all expected Indiana and Nebraska to be uh, competing a little bit better toward the top of the Big Ten. I think you've had a couple of positive surprises too, maybe Penn State. Uh, Northwestern, with an interim head coach, has been in the mix and has really at times played some pretty good baseball. Made a nice comeback in a, in a victory against uh, Maryland over the weekend, which was a, a key win for the Wildcats, I think. So uh, uh, what do you think in terms of surprises this year? Yeah, I think that the both surprise good and surprise bad are, are the obvious one. Rutgers on the on the good side, Nebraska on the bad side. Yeah. Um, you know, Nebraska is below 500 overall, and you know they had a very challenging early non-conference slate. Have somewhat evened out in Big Ten play, but are still even below 500 there. We expected so much more of Nebraska, um, and even them. Like when you think about the Huskers, you know it's usually the offense that helps carry that team, and. And just when you think like that offense may be breaking out, they kind of go back into a little bit of a slump where they really struggle to find like those big hits when they need them most. And, you know, Rutgers, we've talked about plenty. We know what makes them so good. And it's basically everything they're, they're dominating in, in so many different ways, but there's a lot of, like, I would say Northwestern Penn state and Michigan state, because these are the teams that probably most people, you know, myself and Burke Ranger included, you know, we handle the Midwest for D1 baseball. Um, I think those three teams in particular and what they've done to step up have been particularly encouraging, uh, even from a program standpoint, yeah. um, just how well they've played. But then Illinois, I think, has, you know, the, the, the fact that they're, uh, you know, fourth from an RPI perspective and have really put themselves in the conversation to make the postseason, you know, even if they don't make it, the simple fact that they're in that conversation to me is impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be a fun final few weeks. Uh, it'll be a, a good time for you there in Piscataway as well. That'll be a big series. Wish I could be there uh, also for that one. It should be should be a lot of fun. Um, and we'll 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 uh, we'll lead into that Big Ten tournament here in a few weeks. Patrick, appreciate uh, appreciate the time as always. Uh, have a good weekend as well. Yeah, you do the same. Thanks again, Kyle. That's Patrick Ebert, uh, Midwest analyst at D1Baseball.com, the publisher at TheGrindBaseball.com as well. Let's take a break. We'll come back with the, more of the Big Baseball Podcast. That's next. This is a production of 101.7 The Hammer. at the weekend rotation, the topics that we are talking about as we head into the weekend. I didn't put this on the list, Drew, but did your uh, 
Did your 6U team win its opener on yes, Saturday? of course. You well, told me earlier in the week you didn't even know if you won or not. Well, like, well this, maybe we won. Know, the I thought scoring, this was like like real baseball now. You're actually keeping score. Well, I, I, I think you are, but I think there might be a lot of ties because... <laughs> So you're o o after the first weekend you're you're o o and the one. innings the innings are either five runs or three outs whichever comes comes first and at the beginning of the season here nobody's getting three outs because when you strike out you just go to the t after Mother's Day though next week you strike out you're out oh so that's when the real scoring starts gotcha. I think we won because we had three outs the entire game yes that's right three outs the entire game they only had one out the entire game they only got us out once. That's solid. Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> it's like a, it's like in hockey, you got a point, I think. Okay. Instead of two I'll points, I'll take that. I'll take a point. I heard that you 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 got one of your players injured. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. But he uh, uh, update on the on the on the injury list here. Uh, initially thought out to four to four to six weeks. Yeah. Broke uh, met his finger, with finger. met with the doc yesterday. The second opinion. Met with the doc yesterday. Got a second opinion. Uh, new doc says as soon as he feels up for it, he can play. Okay. And I got home last night, and he was riding his bike around our neighborhood. If you could ride a bike, you can you play can baseball. Play. Come on. Yeah. Uh, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> um, all right, let's hit the weekend rotation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Michigan State, the Spartans, who I had sort of uh, dismissed, <laughs> frankly. Right? I was, you know, there's a couple teams there toward the bottom. Ohio State, I don't think is going to be able to make a run, for instance, to get back into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Minnesota, we haven't talked a lot about this year. Unfortunately, the you know the Golden Gophers, who have been such a great team for years in the Big Ten, just have not had the relevancy over the last couple of years. Michigan State, I'd sort of thrown into that category as like a, a team that now, once we got into the Big Ten, that like just wasn't going to be there. Yeah. Well, they've won six straight, <laughs> including a game against Notre Dame in the middle of the week. They sweep Minnesota. And so now the Spartans are 6-9, and nine. so setting with that group. There's a group of teams from 6-11 to 11 in the Big Ten, like what, uh, Penn State, Northwestern, Purdue, uh, Michigan State, Indiana, Nebraska, yeah. all setting there that uh, four of those teams or whatever, five, three of those teams are going to be three. Three are going to be in, three are going to be out. Uh, and suddenly Michigan State looks, you know, it's, it's right there, uh, sitting in a three-way tie for ninth place in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, you ask yourself, and we've sort of asked ourselves here, are Northwestern and Penn State pretty safe at this point at 6-7 and seven in the Big Ten? I think the answer to that question has to be no, because yeah. you don't, this is so fluid. And, yeah. you know, one week we're talking about only two teams being good in the Big Ten. The next week we're talking about six teams being good in the Big Ten. <laughs> You know, we're talking about Michigan State being out of it. Now we're talking about Michigan State possibly being in it. It's just so fluid uh, in the Big Ten right now, especially when it gets all bunched up around that, you know, 6 through 11, that I don't think anybody's safe through that point right now. Northwestern and Penn State, though, do have favorable schedules. Northwestern is hosting Ohio State this weekend, and then Purdue next weekend. That could be a big series. And then the Wildcats wrap up at Minnesota for Penn State coming off. Um, a, a good weekend against Omaha at a conference, and, and really they have played well here recently. Michigan State at home at Ohio State, and then uh, Illinois at home to wrap things up. So, you know, uh, 
Maybe those are favorable for those two teams, and, and since they stand a little bit ahead of everyone else, perhaps you give them a bit of an edge. But I, I just don't think you can really eliminate uh, Michigan State, Indiana, and, and Nebraska, the three teams that are tied for ninth place at 6-9 and nine in the conference standings. That brings us to Indiana, uh, topic number two in this weekend rotation. The Hoosiers have won 7-9 of nine overall, and the last two series – in the Big Ten against Nebraska, and then, you know, a little bit of a surprise this last weekend against Illinois. Yeah, I I wanted to dig into this a little bit because I know that Indiana's issue this season has been the pitching, and specifically they have walked a lot of batters, and they have hit a lot of batters this season. Uh, So I wanted to try to dig in here and find out, you know, if anything has changed in winning seven of their last nine games here. They've won four of their last six Big Ten games. And I found that in the four wins in the Big Ten, they have walked or hit 24 batters. So about six a game. All right, that's math. Six a game. Hey. I know. Got that. Nailed it. In their two losses in the Big Ten, they have hit or walked 31 batters. What? So that's 15 and a half per game. (laughs) I mean, the six is not great, but it's not not like terrible. The 15 and a half is, is, uh, is not good. That's what, I mean, if you're, what it shows is, I don't think the walks and hit batters are going to go away for IU. It's not a, it's not, there's no solution out there that is automatically yeah. just going to make them you are, good at, next at week. This, at this point, you are what you are. Yeah, but if they can keep it manageable yeah. with the offense that they have, if they can keep manageable, meaning six a game or, you know, give or take, then they can win games. If it's, un, I mean, if, they, if they're getting to 15 and 16 per game, they're not no. going to win those games. No. There's not. All right, let's hit uh, what we're watching for this weekend. Obviously, we've talked a lot about uh, Maryland and Rutgers, but there are a lot of series that involve those teams, Drew, that are 6 through 11 that we have talked about. Uh, You are making the trip this week uh, to Iowa uh, to do Purdue play-by-play as I will get a weekend off. So you will see what will be a big series uh, for different reasons between the Boilermakers and the Hawkeyes. This weekend, Ohio State is at Northwestern. You know, the Wildcats with an opportunity there. The Buckeyes is not playing very well. Indiana is at Michigan. Can Indiana keep it up? And what will we see out of Michigan? And what could be a very high-scoring weekend in Ann Arbor? Uh, Michigan State at Penn State. Nebraska at Minnesota. Uh, What stands out there to you? I mean, all of it, to be honest with you. I mean, I, you know, there's, there are, there's a storyline you can find with about every series yeah. this weekend, which is fantastic. It's not every week that you can say that. But, you know, for some of these games, it, they became more interesting after the results of this last weekend. The Purdue-Iowa series became way more interesting all of a sudden. Yeah. Purdue just got off their best weekend maybe this season against Michigan, yeah. and now they head to Iowa and needing victories. And Indiana. Got, if you're Purdue, you've got to win one game at Iowa. Yeah. I mean, and, you just got you got to win one, find a way to win one game. Yeah. And we'll see if Jackson Smeltz pitches this weekend. He, he was not available this last weekend. I mean, that would be that would be huge uh, if, if he could pitch. I mean, if you're – I don't like pitching out of order, but – you, you might be able to, to do it if you're Greg Goff this week because you can use the, the fact that Jackson Smoltz did not pitch last weekend to not pitch him Friday against Adam Mazur. Right. Use him somewhere else. Right. I mean, if you need a, you just, you need a win. Certainly you want to win the series. It's hard to go on the road, though, and win road series in the Big Ten, especially against good opponents. But if you're pretty, you want to win a game. Right. 
Win a game. Win a game. Uh, IU-Michigan became more intriguing for me after this last weekend. Yeah. Michigan didn't look so hot. IU is playing the best baseball of the season right now. So that one has certainly changed. Whereas a couple weeks ago, you look at that series and it doesn't mean much. Now, all of a sudden, it's really important. Even Nebraska at Minnesota. I mean, if the Cornhuskers go to uh, the Twin Cities and sweep, they're back to 500 in the right. Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, that would be huge. You get to 500 in the Big Ten with six games to go. You're, you're suddenly not just on the bubble of making the Big Ten tournament. You're like sitting in fifth place. Yeah, huge fifth, weekend fifth, for Fifth, sixth place. Uh, so that that is a big series as well. Uh, so a lot to talk about. We'll drop the podcast next week again uh, on Tuesday, as we do throughout the season. Um, all right, that'll do it. Thanks to uh, uh, Patrick Ebert for coming on uh, the program with us. We do appreciate his insights. Uh, and that'll do it for the podcast. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!